I want to begin my sermon with a question for you today. Is there space for wonder and joy out in the mission field? Ever since this past epiphany, just five short weeks ago now, I've been preaching quite a bit around this theme of mission and calling. I've been talking a lot about the work of the gospel, about our mission field, about the ordination to go forth and to do God's work that we find in our baptism, about letting this little light of the epiphany shine and how we might let uh, lean in a little more deeply to letting it shine in and through us. Epiphany is all about shining the light. After all, most centrally, about shining God's light. About God shining God's light and making an appearance among us in Jesus the Christ, the light of the world. Epiphany is what takes place when those wise men, those magi, followed that star and arrived at Christ's manger. And in a roundabout way, perhaps, it's about our call to continue to gather the world around that manger. It's about the ways that we continue, even up until this very day, to shine that light. And in looking back over all the themes and topics Around this that I've been talking about lately, it occurs to me that the work part has taken up a lot of my focus. And maybe as well, something, some thinking together about the, the conditions and about the environment of our work. We Methodists love to get to work, after all. Just point the way and you can usually count on the Methodists to be there. We are a mission-minded people. We Methodists people that have historically have always sought to engage with what God was up to in the world rather than just be content to sit on the sidelines and contemplate. I saw a news story just yesterday about some of the relief efforts that are already happening in Turkey after this week's earthquake. 23,000 people. 23,000 people or more likely dead from this tragedy, I last heard. The story I saw had a picture on the caption with folks delivering food and relief surprise, and wouldn't you know, up in the corner of that picture was a little cross in flame. It was supplies that they were receiving from UMCOR already, the United Methodist Committee on Relief. The work the work for us may just be the easy part. That's my sense, at least. The more challenging part, perhaps, is to remember to be on the lookout in the midst of our work for where we meet up with God. Is there a space for wonder and joy in the mission field? And if so, where is it? Where is it? It's so easy to get wrapped up in the doing that we forget that we're supposed to find life and joy as well in the work somehow. So often, and especially today, work is the thing that drains us. Work is the thing that makes us 
tired. Work is the thing that our lives are overly full of already and that we take our vacations to get away from. The idea that there could be life and joy and renewal to be found in the work can be a challenging thing to get our heads around. Sometimes it can seem like something of an oxymoron, even, I think. And I wonder, I wonder if, especially in this kind of work that I've been talking about lately, this, this missional kind of work, I wonder if that's not because on some level, even as we strive so hard to do more, maybe we're already doing way too much. Is there space? Is there space for us? Where is the space to meet up with what God is doing, to find joy and renewal even in the midst of our work? In this passage we read this morning from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, the apostle takes just a moment to remind this church what it is that is his, Paul's, responsibility to do, and what it is that is not. What it is that it is God's work to do. He says, I planted, Apollos watered the garden, but it is God who made the seeds grow. Now in the immediate context of this letter, he relates that to to stuff out a partisan dispute that's going on of sorts. The church in Corinth was a divided place, as we've heard already this morning. There have been several missionaries and evangelists and itinerant preachers to to come and serve this church at different times throughout their short history as a church. And one of the many things that, that this church at this time was dividing itself up over was which one they liked the most. That has nothing to do with today. No, no church has ever talked about which preachers they like the most anymore. Some in the church said, I was baptized by Paul, so I'm Paul's. Others said, I was baptized by another one of our, our preachers named Apollos, so I'm a part of that Apollos faction. Others, I'm a Peter person. I'm Peter's. Indirectly, though, through this report that we hear about their divisions, we, we also get wind of the church and, and of these apostles especially hard, hard at work. They've planted churches. They've ventured out into the world, into unknown places, and started something out of nothing. They've built strong and lasting relationships, apparently, and their preaching and their discipleship has clearly made a lasting impact. But somehow, somehow, even in light of all that they've done, all of their work, somehow they've been given too much credit, maybe. And by giving these apostles and preachers too much credit, the church in Corinth had created a culture in which partisan divisions could thrive. And they left way, way, way too little room to open up a space for the praise of God and the growth. They left too little room for wonder, too little room for praise, too little room 
to just back up and observe this beautiful, mysterious thing that had taken shape among them and to just wonder at it. In its immediate context, Paul's reminder here, I planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one that gives the growth. It serves to remind this this church, first of all, that these saints that they're dividing themselves up over, they were cooperating in ministry. They were working together rather than competing for their allegiances, each taking an important role in doing their own little piece toward this overarching good. But perhaps more importantly, Paul wants to remind them that the real work, the most important work, the thing that we should never, ever lose sight of, involves what God is doing. Paul planted the seed. Apollos watered, but God gave growth. I wonder if we don't all share that that tendency sometimes to to close off that space of mystery and wonder in the work that we're engaged in. That space where we still allow ourselves room for praise, room for not fully understanding, room to know how far our understanding extends and where we hand the rest over to God. Room to know what is ours to accomplish, but also to know what is not ours to accomplish. Room to remember the work that belongs to God, thankfully. Room to look out at what's happening in the world around us with a different sort of awe and appreciation because glory to God, there are things that you and I just cannot do. Amen? I came across this article this week about a, a neurobiologist who was a professor at Stanford University who was interviewed by the school newspaper one week about his faith and about how he, as a scientist, still had room for a vibrant faith in his life. One of the questions that he was asked delved into the specifics of his scientific work, and, and he lit up right away. Apparently, he was excited that this reporter was even slightly interested in his field of work. And he got to talking at length about how fascinating and intricate the human brain is and, and how it works. And, and did you know that the celebra- cerebellum, not a brain scientist, did you know that the cerebellum and the brain stem do this and do that? And there are all these intricate parts and fascinating things that we're still learning about. We're still learning about how all of this works together. And he talked about memory. And he talked about learning and, and depth perception and all of these exciting and interesting things that still grabbed his attention and that he was eager to talk about. And as he went on and on, he, he talked about all of these things that he was still learning and and interested to learn even after years and years of schooling, even after years and years of being a professor at this prestigious university. This, for him, was a topic of endless interest and endless discovery. But he said at one point in the article, when, when asked about how that squares with his faith, he said, 
You know, you pursue these questions and you engage in research as far as it will take you. And of course, it keeps taking you farther and farther every single day. But, but at the end of the day, with all of those synapses firing and signals being sent here and there throughout that brain, we're still studying something that's living. It's living. And that, no matter how far you extend your research, will always be a mystery. That will always be a space where I get to meet up with God at the limits of what I can know and praise God in the world. And the truly exciting part of that for me, he said, is that, is that I get to keep on pursuing, keep on studying and learning and discovering, meet this yearning I have to know and to learn. And yet that, that space beyond my comprehension still remains. Space, he said. That space is a joy. That space is a place of inspiration for praise in his heart. He could go as far as he wants and as he wants to go within his realm of study. He could study for the rest of his life. But thank God, he said, there's still this other space that's beyond me. That reminds me of the lyrics of a hymn that our faithful sing that I, that I love. It's a hymn called Praise the Source of Faith and Learning. Do you know it? There's some beautiful verses in this hymn that inspire me that I wanted to read to you this morning. The second verse reads this way. God of wisdom, we acknowledge that our science and our art and the breath of human knowledge only partial truth in part. Far beyond our calculation lies a depth we cannot sound. Where your purpose for creation and the pulse of life are found. May our faith redeem the blunder of believing that our thought has displaced the grounds for wonder which the ancient prophets taught. May our learning curb the error which unthinking faith can breed, lest we justify some error with an antiquated creed. As two currents in a river fight each other's undertow, till converging they deliver one coherent steady flow. Blend, O God. Blend, O oh God, our faith and learning till they carve a single course, till they join as one, returning praise and thanks to you, the source. Praise God for space. To know the difference between what we can know and, and what we can't, and to be able to find an inspiring and rejuvenating connection to our source in the difference between the two, between what we can know and what we can't. Thank God, praise God for the space in the mission field even 
to recall what is ours to accomplish and what is not. What is God's to do? To keep fresh in our mind that it is ours to sow and ours to water, but God's to cause the seeds to grow. Praise God for that. Praise God because at the end of those long days of sowing and of watering, there's space for us to rest. Space for us to still look out at the world around us with fresh eyes at the miracle of life growing right in front of us all and say, thank you. Thank you, God. What a mystery. What a joy. And all of God's people said. Amen. Amen.